Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Welcome to the Doing Time Show and a warning that... There are definitely going to be audio images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that have died and there will be distressing content. It's approximately 4.01 and we're going to be speaking first up. I'm honoured to be welcoming um, CEO of Vacho, Jill Gallagher, and she's a Gunjamara um, woman from, from Western Victoria and she's not only the CEO of Vacho, but she has also done some amazing work over many years in regards to uh, treaty and also looking at the health and well-being of Aboriginal people, including Aboriginal Victorians. And then after that, we'll be speaking with Narita Waite from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Narita is um, the CEO there. And we'll be speaking with her about summarising the findings that were handed down last Monday from the Melbourne Victorian Coroner's Court um, about Veronica Nelson, um, a deplorable situation where a First Nations woman died in custody. And then after that, we will speak with Ian Rintel about a series of media releases um, in regards to refugees and asylum seekers, Ian is from the Refugee Action Coalition. Both Ian and Narita have both been on the show many times, but the first guest, Jill, this is her first time, and so we'll be speaking with her presently. The Doing Time show has always been a safe environment for Aboriginal elders and all peoples to speak about the violations of human rights, not just in prisons, but also in police cells across Australia. So yeah, um, with Ian, just to just as an aside, we'll also speak, be speaking with Ian about uh, a, a detainee that that uh, died in custody as well in a detention centre, which was Villawood. So we're going to be welcoming Jill Gallagher first up. Welcome, Jill. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's really lovely to have you, Jill. Can you first introduce yourself and just talk about what land you're from? Okay. Uh, Jill Gallagher, I'm a very proud Gunditjmara woman from Western Victoria. Um, down, for those who don't know, um, uh, the Gunditjmara Nations down near Portland and Hayward and Warrnambool. 
Thank you so much. It's always really important, isn't it, to talk about the lands where First Nations people come from. Very much so. Jill, I'm wondering if you could talk about the really disturbing criticisms that have happened, um, particularly from police and Ambulance Victoria as well, in regards to the public drunkenness laws being repealed. And, and of course, we can't leave Auntie Tanya Day out of this discussion, can we? No, certainly can't. Look, when the government um, a couple of years ago put... Um, and it was the Department of Justice that led this piece of work, put uh, on the table, let's look at decriminalising public intoxication. Uh, and I believe, um, as a human being, it's a good thing. Um, I don't believe people should be locked up because they're intoxicated. Um, so we embarked on this piece of work with government and a whole range of other Aboriginal services including the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, um, and looked at uh, how do we do this. The, the draft bill was supposed to go to Parliament last year uh, to, to, to decriminalise, but there's been a delay, uh, and I would assume that was due to COVID and a whole range of other things. Um, so the plan, the plan now is that that bill will go to Parliament in November this year, 2023, to decriminalise it. And that also gives us a bit of time to work out how do, how do we then, uh, from a health perspective, uh, um, once it's decriminalised, how do we then deal with our people, not only Aboriginal people but non-Aboriginal people, in a situation where they need assistance if they're in public and are intoxicated? So we had to work out that plan, which hasn't been done as yet, to a degree. Absolutely. And just to put it in context for listeners that um, in, much loved Yorta Yorta woman died, didn't she? Um, Tanya, Auntie Tanya Day in 2017 lost her life after sustaining a head injury in a Victorian police cell. And that was two weeks after her arrest, wasn't it, Jill, under public drunkenness laws? Yes. Auntie Tan- what happened to Auntie Tanya Day, I believe, was the catalyst to, to embark on this piece of work. So there is a will there now to do that. Um, Auntie Tanya Day, what happened to her should never have happened. Um, um, she fell asleep on a train, ended up in a police cell and died. Um, so the system wasn't working and it still isn't as yet. So we've got to fix the system. We do. And the family also did some amazing work, didn't they, for that? They did the family, their advocacy, their pushing... Um, um, and demanding change so their mum didn't die in vain. Uh, I think they need to be awarded some medal. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it's not going to be... Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not going to be... It's a complicated task. It is. So, yeah, so once it's decriminalised... What's the, what's the process in the system now to help those people who may need that help? That's uh, right. And that's, that's the hardest part of working that out. We've got a whole service system out there, both Aboriginal community-controlled health services and also our mainstream services. 
You know, um, yeah. And, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, Jill, yes. maybe what we need to do is now is just explain to listeners about what Vacho does. Oh, okay. And then, and then maybe, and also look, because I mean, you're doing really well, but also look at how, um, what describes some of the public commentary that's been happening by police criticising this. Yeah, look, it's disappointing. The police have been around the table from the word go. Since Justice, Department of Justice embarked on this piece of work, the police have always been around that table. So it is disappointing um, to hear that they have concerns and um, I, I really can't comment on what's, what's behind that with them. Um, uh, I don't really know why they have these concerns. But at the, at the, uh, once it is decriminalised, it is a health, it needs a health response, not a police response. So the police now calling for additional powers once it's decriminalised I don't know, I'm no lawyer or no um, a legislative uh, scholar, but doesn't that defeat the purpose? Precisely, Jill, and this is what I, I really wanted to talk about. I mean, there are no hidden secrets here at the Do and Time show. Yeah. We've just got a commitment here to to really expose um, some of the brutalities and disproportionate things that have happened with Aboriginal people. And... I'm really concerned. I mean, shouldn't there... You're right, a health response. Shouldn't there be safe houses for Aboriginal people, for, for teenagers, you know, it, when people um, are drunk, um, to, to put them in safe houses rather than in police yes. cells? Yes, so exactly right. And this is what the current work work is currently happening to work. How, how does that happen? How does that happen for our people? But also, how does that happen for the wider community? So that that's the important piece of work. And to have the police, who in the past have been the first responders, uh, coming out and now sort of criticising and saying we need additional powers, I, I think that's... Um, can I be... Um, Absolutely. What, yeah. Um, I think that's very naughty. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's very naughty, and and I just don't understand why. You know, uh, Jill, we all know, and this is public knowledge, that yes. the inquest of Auntie Tanya Day, there were there were quite a lot of confronting findings that were handed down um, at the inquest, and this happened just before COVID, around two thousand and nineteen, yes. about yes. Um, unconscious bias, systemic racism. These were all terms that have been um, said, and it's no secret. It's they're in public court documents. Yep. So you know, it's it's really important, isn't it, to to be able to say that having additional police powers is really not going to help. No, no, no. Why would we embark on this this piece, very important piece of work? Why would we do that if they're just going to decriminalise that power, but yet they'll have another power? That's exactly right. It's ludicrous. It is. It is really ludicrous. And, you know, I have been reading a lot of um, material, not only about Vacho, but also about some of the amazing work you have done at museums as well. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, what, what, probably what a lot don't know, that I've just finished a very important piece of work. Um, uh, I was on a, uh, for the past two years, 
I have been on a review panel uh, of independent people. I was the only Aboriginal person. Um, and there was three of us. And our mandate was to actually review the culture uh, of correctional services here in Victoria. It doesn't include police. It just includes adult prisons, by the way. Right. So our, our review has just finished and uh, we've handed our report with all our recommendations, which a lot of them mirror the coroner's recommendations for um, uh, Veronica Nelson. Oh, okay, yep. Yes, so um, I'm very familiar with what came out of the Veronica Nelson uh, inquiry. Um, And so as a review panel, there's a lot of recommendations in there for reform. I mean, you don't need to have a PhD to know that a lot of our people, as Aboriginal people, we're incarcerated solely because of poverty. You know, the crimes of poverty that our people commit, uh, what's driving, driving them is that poverty. So, you know, Veronica Nelson, and only Tanya Day, by the way, mm. should never have been arrested. No, that's exactly right. From From... When Veronica was arrested, police has have discretionary powers to grant bail, and she was arrested, arrested um, allegedly shoplifting. Now they denied her bail. Hmm. They incarcerated her at Dame Phyllis, and they denied her. They denied this woman her basic human rights to healthcare. Exactly. And she died in pain, alone. Her last call to the correctional staff was calling out for her, sorry, her dead dad. Yeah. Yeah. To help her. Anyways, so that cannot happen in the year 2020. That's right. It should not happen. So the system is racist from arrest, and in Veronica's case, and in Aunty Tanya Day's case, from arrest to death. That's right. And Jill, I'm just really glad that you, you were able to talk about that. Actually, presently we're going to be speaking with Narita Waite about that in more detail and I'm hoping that I can talk to her about some more of those inquest findings um, from yeah. the Victorian Aboriginal yeah. Legal Service. But Jill, I, I really wanted to have you on because because this is your first interview here with us, I think, isn't it, with the okay. Doing Time Show, yes, isn't it? Is. it? Yes, it is, yes. And I really want to have you back again sometime soon. Um, yep. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit in, a bit in more detail about this health response that you're talking about because I know yes. Vacho is, that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, Vacho is um, a community-controlled Aboriginal organisation, yep. and I yep. don't think we we have enough of those, do we? So, but we yes. better get on to Narita. Um, okay. Am I able to interview you in a, again in a couple of weeks, Jill? Of course, by I'll, all means. I would love that to happen. And thank you so much no for talking about Arnie Tanya, because yep. that was terribly important. It went quickly, didn't it? It doesn't look feel I like fifteen it, yeah. minutes. 
I know, I know. But anyways, but I'd love to talk to you some more. No, I want to do that, okay. and I'll email okay. very soon and get that happening. All right, no worries. Thank, Thank you. you. You take care, Jill. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And that was Julie Gallagher, who is the CEO of Vacho. And she has done some amazing work. Um, I'm going to be speaking with Narita shortly um, and we'll, we'll get onto that very soon. But, um, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk to her very soon. Tune in to 3CR Victoria's Pride Street Party Broadcast, a four-hour special event on Sunday the 12th of February from 12 to 4 p.m. We'll be broadcasting out on the street and featuring the voices of 3CR's queer programmers and guests, including Out of the Pan, In Your Face, PX Fano, and Queer in the Air, on topics that focus on queer pride and ongoing advocacy for LGBTIQA people. Listen to the broadcast on air or live from the corner of Smith and Mason Streets in Fitzroy. For more details, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash 3CR Pride Party 2023. And what a very elegant announcement that was about the Pride Party. But uh, anyway, we are going to be speaking now with Narita Waite, who's been on our show quite a few times now, and she's from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. We're going to be speaking with her about the findings of the inquest that were handed down from the Melbourne Coroner's Court, Victorian Coroner's Court, sorry, on the 30th of January 2023 and um, and have a look at that um, with the passing of Veronica Nelson. We heard just previously from Jewel Gallagher who also had some quite emotional commentary about Veronica Nelson as well. Hello, Narita, welcome to the program. Thank you, Marissa. It's lovely to have you. Veronica Nelson has touched many, many people. Um, it would it would surprise me if uh, the tragic story um, of Veronica didn't touch people, especially um, anybody who caught um, the coroner's finding recommendations where at the end he read out um, a letter that Veronica wrote to her mother which showed what a beautiful spirit she was and um, someone who was not deserving that anybody is of the treatment um, that she received at the hands of the state. Absolutely. I spent most of the day last Monday actually um, attending the uh, the findings and then I read out the statements of the family in the afternoon. But the reason why I'm having you on here today, Narita, is I was wondering if you could just talk about the some of the findings and, and in, a, in a little bit of detail and talk about, just summarise those and have a look at what um, the, the legal service has been doing in regards to that. Mm. I first just want to say that it's really been an honour for Val to be able to support Uncle Percy in his quest for justice for Veronica. His courage and humanity has been remarkable. And um, as uh, he has been saying all along, there wasn't one point of failure in the event led to Veronica's death. Effectively, everyone and everything failed. And that's why it's not about mitigory practices. It's actually about big transversal changes that are needed and fast um, if outcomes like these are to be avoided. And the coroner made a really um, broad range of really important findings, including that the Bail Act is an unmitigated disaster, which experts warned the Victorian government, particularly Premier Dan Andrews of, back in 2017 and 18. Um, he found that the reverse onus test breached the Charter of Human Rights. Um, the government reviews lied about crucial details, were grossly misleading and inadequate. 
that Corrections Victoria and Correct Care Australasia failed to ensure equivalent healthcare, which caused Veronica's death. But there's a stigma of drug users that also contributed to um, her death. And we believe that the key areas for reform are bail laws, prison healthcare, investigations that in custody, systemic racism in the criminal legal system. We have already done a ton of work around what laws should change, and we've provided very specific details to the government and MPs. The coroner's report also provides a lot of great recommendations. The Royal Commission to Everdose and Custody made a lot of great recommendations 30-odd years ago, but still haven't been implemented. Now, it doesn't actually take a long time to make the changes that will save lives. The path forward is really clear, um, really easy. Um, we just need politicians to basically do their jobs and make the right decisions. The coroner did say that he recommended an urgent review of bail laws, and we this has been done, um, particularly since 2017-18. So for us, Government just needs to consult with organisations who have been working on how to fix Victoria's broken bowels for many years now, like bowels, like VLA. Um, we've done the review, we know what's broken, how to fix it. Um, we just need to act because there are 36.5 Aboriginal people arrested every day in Victoria in the same position as Veronica. This is the same for other key areas of reform. Um, these issues are no surprise to us. Um, they've been problems for a really long time. But unfortunately, it's taken Veronica's death to create some political will to address these issues. On prison healthcare, we obviously want the government to end privatisation of healthcare in prisons. And public health bodies should deliver healthcare in every prison in Victoria. We also want Aboriginal health organisations um, like your ATOs, which obviously their peak is um, Vacho, I think you just had Annie Jill on, to deliver culturally safe services to Aboriginal people in prison. There are several mechanisms within prisons and government that are already supposed to review death in custody, but they failed. They contributed to trying to cover up the issues that led to Veronica's death. And the coroner said what was most concerning for him was there was a don't ask, don't tell policy operating between the healthcare provider and, correction, and um, Corrections Victoria. And for that reason, we need new mechanisms for reviewing death in custody, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait death in custody. These need be led by community and include family voices. This is because our people are more likely to die in custody because they were denied access to healthcare they need. And we're also more likely to die in custody because prison staff don't follow up on official procedures. And as Veronica's tragic story tells us, you cannot rely on prison staff. You cannot rely on private contractors. And the government has cannot be able to review their own work because a don't ask, don't tell policy is not new in this day. Veronica was 37 years old at the time of her passing, wasn't she? And she was alone in a cell, wasn't she, at the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre? Yes, Veronica didn't come in contact with an Aboriginal person from the moment of her arrest to the moment of her death. That's appalling. (laughs) Yes, it's appalling, it's disgusting, it's horrific um, and the lack of humanity and compassion that she was treated with um, should terrify us all. And I have to say that during the inquest, the CTTV footage was played and that would have been indeed very horrible, um, you know, difficult to walk. She was vomiting onto the floor. Listeners need to know this, Narita. You know, mm. she she wasn't taken to hospital. She used the Intercom 49 times and a lot of what happened really contravenes the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and the coroner did did state that, didn't he, in his findings? 
scratch. He found that um, Veronica had been treated in a cruel, inhumane and degrading way. Um, this was just one incident. These were multiple incidents. And I think anybody um, who understands fear and how it operates in that last call where Veronica calls for her dad, everybody knows that to be, to be calling for your deceased father, you're beyond fear, that you can see death approaching and you don't know what to do. And all Veronica was doing was crying out for help, and instead she was told to shut up. Exactly. So she was deprived of liberty? Deprived of her, deprived of her liberty. Um, the reverse onus test also, um, the which in terms of bail law, the coroner um, connected that um, to contravention of the, of the Charter of Human Rights Responsibilities in relation to the presumption of innocence. Um, also, the way that um, Correct Care Australasia officials treated Veronica, as well as correction officers, particularly over the course of those 49 calls and the health assessments, were considered to be cruel and inhumane treatment. Tell us about the the reform of the bail laws. How, how do you think those the, the bail system as it stands now, and it needs severe reform, how do you think that affects Veronica and other Aboriginal people, particularly women in prison? Mm. Well, um, so last year, uh, 80% of our women in prison were unsentenced. That means that they're on the mark. Many of those women were victims of family violence. Many of them have issues such as mental health and disability. Many of them were carers, and many of them were sitting in a cell for an offence that if they're convicted of, they wouldn't serve a prison sentence for. The bylaws as they stand just don't make sense. There's no logic to them. There's no rhyme or no reason. All they do is punish people and traumatise them. Um, And bail reform is not something that we've been calling for for a year or two years. Um, You know, it goes right back 30 years ago, a bit more than 30 years ago now, um, to the Rikidik calls um, to ensure that there was a presumption that people will be provided with bail. Um, rather than herald that call, what Victoria has done, and more so since the Burke Street incident, has stricter and stricter bail laws, which now create a punitive system where somebody who's convicted of or arrested for shoplifting, arrested for, say, um, possession um, of drugs of personal quantity um, or public order offences, particularly for those who are homeless, um, struggling with mental health and disability, have to meet the same test as if they were being alleged to have committed a murder. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And it does demonise um, Aboriginal people, particularly Aboriginal women, and they're taken away from their children. Whilst they're in prison, they, are in prison and, and, and they die in custody because they're vulnerable. And you mentioned drug, drug stigma as well. It's quite disgusting. Yes. Um, you know, the stigmatisation of... Um, drug users was mentioned throughout the inquest because it had an effect on the way that Veronica was treated at each and every stage of the justice process. Um, and, I mean, it particularly worsened, of course, once she was incarcerated in the way that she was viewed um, by nurses and doctors um, within that facility, um, by um, corrections officers um, who were answering those 49 calls. And it's something that we need to do... We need to do something about it as a society... But it also talks to the fact that, you know, we don't view drug use as a health problem and that, in fact, 
is what it is. It is not a justice problem. It is a health problem. Just like public intoxication was, there was no reason for any Tanya Day to have been arrested and to die in a cell because intoxication is a health issue. And, you know, Veronica Nelson also, um, you know, her drug use, or alleged drug use in this instance, was about a public health issue. And, you know, the magistrate referred to it um, in rather degrading terms um, and, you know, uh, inferred um, motive of her alleged crimes in connection to her alleged drug use. There was no confirmed facts. They just inferred things because they assumed. Um, same with, you know, uh, her struggling with her health. Um, you know, correct, the corrections officials and the nurses and the doctors just assumed because she was withdrawing, that's all she was complaining about without actually looking at her circumstances personally, without assessing whether or not she should have been withdrawing if that was the appropriate treatment. Um, none of that was considered because they view people who use drugs as less than human. Exactly. And finally, Narita, and this is quoting straight from the coroner's, the coroner's findings, well, actually not so much findings, but there's a quote here. He speaks about the Royal Commission... Um, who are and the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, who identified bail conditions and sweeping, sweeping statutory amendments to the Bail Act to enhance community safety. But that was only meant for violent offenders, wasn't it? Not yes. for non-violent. Allegedly, it was meant for serious offenders. But during the consultation... Experts in the sector clearly alerted the then government and the then Premier Andrews that if this possible law was enacted, Mm. that those who would be caught up were not serious offenders. It was people like Veronica. It was people um, who you see struggling with homelessness, disability, mental health, who commit public order offences or small summary offences. It's very true. their lives are disrupted. You know, when they go when they're arrested by police, when they're denied bail and they're sitting in remand, they don't have access to the support they need. Um, You know, the service provision that they get as a remanded person is much smaller than if they were sentenced, which then naturally incentivizes them to plead guilty so they can access those services. You know, incentivizes people like Veronica to ask for a six-week period before her next bail application so that she can access appropriate withdrawal support. It prompts people to just, you know, unfortunately make decisions regarding their children and their families because they inevitably know that they will be treated in the harshest way possible because the barriers exist in our legal system. Exactly. And, you know, those those recommendations from the Royal Commission have not been have not been upheld. And I'm hoping that the coroner's findings that he's handed down, I'm hoping there that something's done about it, Narita. Yes, and it can't just be, though, about Rikidik. No. Uh, we need to make sure that every Aboriginal death in custody um, or Aboriginal death where there's been contact with police or justice agency, those recommendations that flow from those deaths are implemented meaningfully. And there's oversight um, and independent assessment of that implementation because too many times inquests like Veronica's can sit on dusty shelves. Narita, I'm so glad that you said that. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and it's it's been lovely to have you and I, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about those those findings. You're well placed to do so. Thanks a lot. 
Not a problem, Marissa. Goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was Narita Waite from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service um, speaking about speaking about the inquest findings handed down about Veronica Nelson's death in custody. And we seem to be having a little bit of a technical difficulty here. Uh, I'm hoping we're going to be speaking with Ian Rintel pretty soon from the Refugee Action Coalition. But I'm trying to get an announcement happening so that we can put him on the line. And there we are. Travellers Aid Australia is offering free scooter safety training sessions. They will help mobility scooter and powered wheelchair users to practice their skills and build confidence in navigating their local community and accessing public transport. These sessions are delivered by trained facilitators and volunteers and are provided across Melbourne. For more information or to register interest, visit travellersaid.org.au, call on 03-9654-2600 or email info at travellersaid.org.au. Travellers Aid Australia is a 3CR supporter. And in case you've just tuned in, this is a doing time show and you just heard an interview with Narita Waite from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. This is 3CR Community Radio. Next up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Ian Rintel from the Refugee Action Coalition. Ian, welcome. Yeah, hi Marissa. Great to have you. Now, Ian, we had the summer off and I played a series of highlights from last year, but in the meantime, uh, there's been a lot of stuff happening with refugees and asylum seekers that never stops for summer, does it? Uh, no, no. Often, often at uh, summer's a time when uh, quite a bit happens. Absolutely. I might have to not take the summer off next year. But uh, look, just leading up to all this, I believe that there was a detainee that was hanged at Villawood, or hanged. Well, we don't. We're not sure. Allegedly, he was hanged at Villawood Detention Centre. Can you talk about that in January? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, it does seem all the all the pointers indicate that it was uh, a suicide. That uh, Jaffa, you know, young twenty eight year old Iraqi uh, detainee, um, yeah, hanged himself in his uh, in his room. So um, it's um, it's I think it's the fourth or fifth um, in in Villawood since two thousand and nineteen. Uh, so it's a particular concern uh, at a time when some people have been getting out of detention, um, and I think a lot of people were looking forward to you know to getting out. The government's made some minor changes to the regulations that are keeping you know 501s in in detention. The people who've been you know to jail and had visas cancelled, uh, and that was uh, you know Jaffa was uh, you know one of them. He'd been in detention since 2018, but um, yeah, it does look like he uh, you know he took his life um, you know last weekend. Well, not but uh, two weekends ago now. So he was an Iraqi immigration detainee in his 30s, wasn't he? And he was he's been found hanged in Hume Compound, Rillawood. Yes, that's yeah, that's right. I mean, he'd been he'd been asking to be moved out of Hume, Hume compound for you know a number of uh, weeks, uh, but as usual, those requests are not uh, responded to. Um, there does seem to have been some tension between him and you know one or two other you know detainees in the you know in the compound. Uh, but whatever's you know gone on um, about about that, I mean, it was a reason why they 
should have, the guard should have you know he should have been moved. Uh, that was reason enough for him to be moved. But um, even though he made another request on the Saturday, um, he was last seen alive at, at ten o'clock Saturday night and uh, was found uh, you know hanged on uh, you know Sunday Sunday morning in January. Yes, yeah, so two weekends ago, Sunday, uh, just from the date, but not last Sunday, the Sunday before. So has there been an investigation into this man's death? Uh, no, I mean, unfortunately, that won't happen for some time. Uh, you know, the, the, the autopsy's, autopsy's been done and there will be a you know, coronial inquiry, but, you know, that could be 12, 18 months away, so often the, you know, often the case uh, before, you know, any real information is... Uh, is uh, forthcoming or will become you know public uh, so we don't we don't really know i mean when we've been calling for our full investigation uh, the um because there are, i mean there are always issues associated with the with the you know any death in you know in custody we've just been talking about other circumstances aboriginal uh you know people it's no different uh, for you know people in you know, immigration detention in terms of authorities being involved, their capacity for, you know, for covering things up, uh, you know, a, a big motivation, you know, to cover things up in terms of their own, you know, responsibilities and culpabilities uh, in, in uh, these, you know, in these incidents. And so, I mean, that's why we've been very anxious that there be, you know, a, a, you know, a full inquiry. Like I said, it's been, even if there's been four, I think it's four or five since 2019, um, the Commonwealth has actually been charged by their own, you know, Occupational Health and Safety Department, uh, both the Commonwealth for Home Affairs and uh, CERCO have been charged for uh, breach of um, uh, duty of care and uh, negligence associated with a suicide in 2019. Uh, nothing, I mean, if anything, since 2019, things have got worse. They've not got, you know, they've not got better. Uh, you've got, you know, ridiculous things, you know, that have happened inside the detention centres, you know, people who are on you know, 24 hour, you know, you know, suicide watch, uh, you know, sort of suddenly finding themselves being, you know, sort of grabbed and, you know, and deported. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, respect or care for people with uh, mental health problems inside immigration detention. So Sertko was charged, was it? Yes, it's been charged, and uh, actually, I think it was in 2020 before it was, maybe 2021 actually before it was actually charged after the investigation. In 2019, but they've not yet been to court. Uh, three weeks have been put aside. I think it might be in May, you know, this year uh, for the actual charges to be heard. But the um, at every point, you know, Home Affairs and Circo have you know intervened in the court processes to try and get them postponed for one reason, you know, or another. But uh, hopefully, it will finally come to court. Uh, you know this this year, but so that's 2019. It's 2023 now. Uh, you know, at least three other people have taken their lives in Villawood uh, alone. Uh, you know, over that over that time, and you know, nothing fundamentally has uh, changed. So, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they, they they should be charged for a lot of them. They clearly are responsible, for, you know, for the for, you know, for the deaths in immigration detention. As far as we're concerned, actually, Section 501 should be scrapped. Uh, the people who are being held under Section 501 should be released. I mean, the fundamental um, element of Westminster justice, if you can call it that, is that, you know, you do the crime, you do the time. But if you're a non-citizen in Australia, the government can use Section 501 uh, to mandatorily cancel. If you've been sentenced to a crime, you know, for 12 months or longer, uh, your visa is mandatorily cancelled, automatically cancelled. Uh, but so many others also, you know, cancelled, uh, you know, on character grounds, you know, by the minister. And that, that just shouldn't happen. It's a fundamentally 
racist and discriminatory section of the Act. Absolutely, and that's the Migration Act, isn't it? Yeah, yes, the 501 of the Migration Act. So, Ian, so what's happening is that there's been really a history of suicides in detention centres, and and that's primarily because people are, are left to rot in these detention centres. Yeah, they're left to rot in a way that doesn't happen in the criminal justice system. I mean, people know that they're doing two years for fraud. Uh, that's what they're charged with in the criminal justice system. But at the end, if you're a non-citizen, at the end of that time, your visa can be cancelled and you can spend the rest of your life in immigration and detention. And, of course, it not just ruins that person's life, it's the, the, you know, the whole family, extended family, their children. There's a massive amount of implications associated with those, you know, the visa cancellations, which... You know, which take place, and it's just a, you know, it's just fundamentally offensive to you know any any general common sense notion of justice. You know, people so people, you do the crime, you do the time. People people accept that, but um, mm. to face you know cancellation of visa with the potential indefinite you know detention at the end of um, you know such a sentence is just you know it should be unconscionable. Ian, it's great to have you, but I'd really like to just. Um have you here for a little while longer? Is that okay? I just wanted to ask sure. you another question in regards to another media release, um, the 3rd of the 2nd, 2023, Refugees to Protest for Permanent Visas um, yep. Albanese, in Albanese Electoral Office. I believe that refugees held a protest at Prime Minister Albanese's um, Electoral Office on the 3rd of February. Can you yeah, talk about right, that? Friday. Mm. Yeah, 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 happy to. I mean, it was another very good uh, demonstration. We had one there in, uh, I think it was the 9th of December, another one, you know, just in, you know, Friday just gone. Um, yeah, there was about 150, 180 people there, overwhelmingly they're refugees that are, that are waiting to, for the government to finally put their promise into, into, into action. So Labor was elected saying that they would give people who are on temporary protection visas, temporary refugee visas that would be made permanent. Um, we're now eight months on into the Albanese government, and they haven't they haven't been. So you've got 31,000 people who are immediately affected by you know this this decision, um, who are still waiting eight months on to you know be be told what is their what's their fate. I mean, there are many others who also, in which we constantly raise, you know, the people who've been transferred from Nauru and Manus in Australia who haven't got. Uh, you know, permanency here. Been told they have to go somewhere else. There's people who, even from before the, you know, the the Liberal Party introduced the fast track mechanism, which the government, the Labor government, has also said they will change. We're still waiting for them to change that. But there are probably you know something like fourteen thousand, you know, people who are in the community on, um, you know, well, say on expired visas. They're they're trying to eke out an existence on expired visas. You know, no income, no income support, no no right to work. No right to be here in one, you know, in one sense. But there are there are certainly thousands of people who are an underclass created by the deficiencies in Australia's uh, immigration uh, system. So basically, Labor was elected eight months ago on a long-standing promise to grant permanent visas to refugees who had only been granted temporary visas. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the coalition has, you know, makes a point every time they're elected. They introduce temporary protection visas. I mean, everywhere else in the world, when someone's found to be a refugee, they get a you know, they permanent visa, and usually permanent residency goes with along that almost immediately. In, in Australia, the coalition government uh, overturned Labor, you know, granted permanent visas, established permanent visas again when Rudd was elected and... 2007, uh, when Abbott comes back in whatever that was, 2013, um, they they introduced temporary visas again. So uh, everyone who becomes a refugee in Australia who arrives by boat at the moment can only be granted a temporary protection visa. So they get either TPV or a safe haven enterprise visa, a CHEV, they're three years and five years, but they have to be renewed every three years and you know, in five years. So the government, it's a long-standing Labor Party policy and a promise that they made over and over again in the run-up to the election and then very soon after the election that they were, Labor was absolutely committed to granting permanent visas to uh, those people who were on uh, temporary visas. And, and um, But, yeah, eight months on, we're, we're still waiting and people are getting very, very tired. I mean, the government has made these promises. They just don't seem to understand that every day's delay has an enormous consequence for the lives of people here, uh, for the lives of the you know, families and children you know, left, uh, you know, left behind, often in dangerous circumstances. But you've got kids here who, because they're on temporary protection visas, actually can't go to university. You know, you've got people who have been accepted, got very high grades accepted to university, uh, but have been uh, told that they are not, are not allowed to study. Uh, and so it has enormous consequences and people are getting, you know, very, very tired. So we had a couple of big demonstrations at Parliament House in Canberra. Uh, we'll be planning another one at the beginning of March for not these, not these, the, the March sittings of, you know, of Parliament. If we don't have an announcement by then, uh, we'll be back at Canberra in, on the 6th of March. Look, it's, it's, um, there, there's been a lot of work that's happened. It really is. Such a national disgrace that, um, you know, there's such discrimination um, about refugees and asylum seekers that come on boats. I, I, it beggars belief, honestly, Ian. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, Anthony Albanese made a big song and dance about, you know, no one held back, no one left behind, but... You have got a, you have got a very very big underclass of people who, according to international law, like have been found to be refugees. They're owed international protection. They're you know deemed to be, are found to be you know sort of vulnerable people who have fled you know persecution for one reason or another. The fact that we've got a Labor government who just seems to be paralysed, incapable of living up to the promise that they made, not just when they were elected, but it's been Labor policy you know since 2004. Uh, and uh, so there, there should be, and no one can see any, you know, impediment. I'll tell you, Melissa, that mm. you know, that just brings it home. Yeah. People whose visas are expiring now, temporary visas expiring now, have to apply for a temporary visa. So even the ones that are expiring now, that could be turned into permanent with a, you know, flick of a pen in the individual cases, that that's not happening. People are still being issued temporary visas as their visas expired. They have to apply for another another temporary visa, and they're being issued temporary visas. I mean, it's a very conscious and deliberate act. The the government uh, for the family in Bilawila, they were very quick after they elected to you know get brownie points. 
uh, for giving that family you know permanent residency and granting you know permanent visas. But that happened within you know a few a few weeks. It took nothing more than a signature on a piece of paper from. The, the, the immigration minister, you know, like he could spend a day and a half actually and just sign, you know, all the, you know, all the bits of paper if that's what it, uh, you know, that's what it took. There's simply, there's, there's no excuse anymore. But why? Why is this happening? Uh, look, to be honest, I think they're paralysed by their own, by their own rhetoric. Uh, for too long, the Labor's gone along with the whole rhetoric that somehow or other, you know, the boat arrivals are tied up with issues of border protection and, you know, and national security. I think they're scared, witless, that, you know, Peter Dutton will attack them for being, you know, soft on refugees or soft on border protection for, you know, granting, uh, you know, permanent visas. But, you know, <laughs> make the point again, that's, that's the policy Labor was elected on. You know, the Rudd government could do it within five months. Uh, you know, that was that was bad enough. Now, Albanese government, they've done it once in, in five months. They know how to do it. Plenty of people have told them how, you know, how it can be done. There is nothing but political will, you know, standing uh, between uh, the, the Labor government and actually granting these uh, permanent visas. But I think they've scared themselves witless over their over their own with you know with their own rhetoric. They've gone along with the border protection rhetoric. They've you know insisted that there's you know there's only this wafer thin you know tobacco paper difference between the coalition and Labor on the you know, border protection policies. And the consequence are thirty one thousand people who should have permanent visas you know haven't got haven't got permanent visas. And there are many other thousands uh, similarly uh, you know effectively just the the government has created. A vulnerable underclass because of their um, their incapacity to live up to their promise. Well said, Ian. And you know, we we do have to be very careful. The right wing is rising. Fascism could rise again. Well, yes, of course, of course, it could. And it's Labor's failures which often create the ground in which you know gives rise to those you know kind of right wing arguments. So Labor's gone along with border protection arguments for too long. They've given credence to those kinds of ideas. You know, the Islamophobia that, you know, people like, uh, you know, Morrison and Dutton and before, you know, Howard and Ruddick were, you know, responsible for whipping up in the community, it's st- it's still there. As you say, the racists are, you know, still active, but the fish rots from the, the, the top. We need a very, very clear lead from our politicians to put a, you know, to put a stop to those kinds of ideas. And when you've got official discrimination against people who arrive you know, by boat, it makes it far too easy for the right-wing groups to think, well, they've got some, you know, sort of uh, OK, you know, from the government to, um, you know, continue their, their, their racist ideas and to act on their racist ideas. Ian, before we finish, do you have any announcements to make in regards to protests that are coming up? Uh, yeah, well, the one I mentioned, uh, the 6th of March, will be in Parliament House in uh, Canberra, but uh, the, the 2nd of April on Palm Sunday will be a chance for everyone in you know, in Melbourne, uh, to, uh, you know, back the Palm Sunday Committee, the Refugee Action Collective in, you know, in Melbourne and, um, you know, hit the streets uh, for, you know, know, refugee rights, for permanent visas for all and end offshore detention. So, um, yeah, the Refugee Action Collective meets every Monday in uh, Victoria. You can look them up on the web. They're easy to find. So get along to the meeting. But, uh, yeah, make sure that you turn out for Sunday the 2nd, Palm Sunday. Ian, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Keep up the good work. Okay, yeah, thanks, Marissa. All the best. Thanks so much. Bye. And that was Ian Rintel from the the Refugee Action Coalition speaking about some very much-needed commentary about what's happening with refugees and asylum seekers and today's 
Emerging theme in the radio show has been deaths in custody and we need to build the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. is Radical Radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're Radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're Radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're Radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe.
and you're back with the Do and Time show and we're nearing the end of our show. It's approximately 4.54. Thank you to all our guests today for coming in and we had a continuation of, dis- of a discussion about Veronica Nelson dying in custody and looking at the inquest findings. There will be many more interviews covering those findings as it is, is extremely relevant to First Nations um, commentary. And we, you just heard a song by Les Thomas, who's one of my favourite Aboriginal musicians, and I always miss it whenever he's playing, so I'm hoping we can, I can go and see him sometime. And the song was entitled Survivor's Tale. And a cheerio to Rob, who has also done a little bit of work with the Dawn Time Show, who's probably outside in the courtyard listening. And it's approximately 4.55 and we've got about two minutes left of our show, and it's goodbye from Marissa. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. And it is subscriber week next week, and I'm going to be doing a special subscriber show. So um, get on and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Be kind to each other. Kindness costs nothing. Bye. Second time lucky. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hello.